So, Parth, what have you been eating? Senor Alguer, let me tell you. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Um, I ate pasta. Pasta. Like a true, like a true Italian. Uh, tell me about like the pasta accessories. Was there a red salsa? Uh, uh there was a pomodoro sauce. Uh, An alfredo. Uh, Parmigiano. You know, little cheese. Yeah, a little. Um, yeah, no. Who my made mom it? cooked the yeah. pasta. My Classic. dad put the made the sauce. Team effort. It's um, you know. It was just, it was beautiful. It was so, beautiful. So, let me guess. You didn't contribute at all. You just reaped the rewards? I ate the oh, food. Have I, sh- have I struck a nerve? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, you didn't help out. You didn't do anything to earn it, right? Oh. Did I say something a little too accurate? A little, little poignant comment got you down? What the fuck? Can't take a little, little constructive criticism. Trent, what did you eat today, huh? As I recall, you weren't even able to remember prior to this recording what you had. And you said, Ugh, I don't eat that much. I have a pretty limited range of things that I eat, so it's kind of boring. That's how he talks, guys, off camera. It's all an act. Wait, wait, so that was your impression of me off camera. Off camera, yeah. But wait, 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 do an impression of me on camera. Is it different? Hi. Well, it's like, I, I'm I'm Trent. Oh, so that one's much more normal. So you're saying the side of me that isn't visible to the viewers is much uglier. Uglier and more annoying. So you, um, you're saying generally I Generally ha- less charismatic. You're saying I have a, f- a face for radio right now. That's like the joke that you're that you're circling around, but you couldn't it's work up the courage. You couldn't work up the courage to make it. I mean, I didn't say any of those things. So, Parth, thanks for asking. I had uh, a bowl of tomato soup uh, with some croutons. Um, wow! Made it myself. Warmed it up in the microwave. Uh, I would ran out of bowls, so I put it in a mug. Um, that was different. Soup out of what a, a little chef you are. Yeah, they call, uh, did you know, um, I actually have a pen name. My pseudonym is Chef Boyardee. Oh my god, do you have, like, the hat and everything? Um, no, but I'm neck deep in raviolis, let me just say that. Have you ever had Chef Boyardee? I have not, but... I have not either. I remember those commercials. The can followed you home from the grocery store. You remember that? Did you watch cable television, Parth? Do you have From time to time. I don't really remember the commercial that you speak of, but um, I'll just pretend I do. Parth, have you seen the movie Room where people are trapped? Brie Larson? Yeah, where people are trapped no, in a room. No, I have not. Oh, but do you know the premise? Yes. So you're saying that that was your childhood, that you were raised in the room, and you're just trying to cover it up, being like, oh, I must have missed that commercial. But really, you were behind bars. You were raised in containment? In a um, four by six cell. Cue the intro.
Do the... All right, Parth, try to hum the outro. I don't think that's how the outro goes. Is it? No, I don't recognize what you're humming at all. Because uh, it doesn't, like, sound... Like, the instruments are different, but, like... Uh, uh, it's hard to imitate the instruments, but that is how it goes. But I like our outro too. I like our intro. I, I like our intro a little I, bit. More I think though. both go well together. Yeah, I agree. Should we keep this? Uh, like all? No. No. Why not? I think this is. These are the goods. I'm gonna keep this. Editing room floor. Cut no, it. no, 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 no. All right, you ready? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you What do you mean, ready? We've We've already begun. This is staying in, right? Parth, our our singing. Please, for, for the love of God, that is not meant for human consumption. Uh, bring us back in. Parth, we have a podcast, am I wrong? No, you need to say welcome back. Oh. Welcome back to Craft Services, our podcast, the show, uh, where we talk about the movies. Uh, each week, we discuss a different film and hopefully have a person from that film who worked on it to discuss their experience. Uh, who did we have this week? Uh, the wonderful Ella Dane Smith. We interviewed her. Yeah? On what film, Trent? The what H- film is this? The HBO Max exclusive Lockdown. Exclusive. Is it? Wow. I think so. It- yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah, there was a grand premiere. Parth and I watch it on our respective laptops, and then we talked about on the, it on on whose HBO account, Trent? On Parth's dad's HBO Max account, and oh, then, okay, okay. And then we all came together after all that adversity to discuss the film with a nice lady who worked on it, Ella Dan Smith. Yep, she was really cool. She had a lot of um, fun insights, and um, she, she was just on, on the whole. The Fast and Furious movies and some yeah uh, two and uh, a Jurassic Park movie, so we had a lot to talk about. We asked her questions. She responded with answers. Very typical interview format. Yep. So um, please enjoy the interview. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Ella Dane-Smith. She's an amazing production manager that's worked on such films as Fast and Furious 6, Ex Machina, Wonder Woman, and our film for today, Doug Lyman's Lockdown. Thank you so much for being here. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. So uh, we ask everybody, we start off by asking what got you introduced into the film world? Um, I think it's something that I always... I always wanted to do, really, from as far as I can remember. Um, Initially, I wanted to start out in natural history wildlife filming. Um, That was my kind of passion since a child. Uh, So that was kind of really what I really wanted to do. Um, So always wanted to go into that creative world. And then I was actually, I think I was 19 and on holiday with my parents and we... um, ended up being sat next to a, a sort of UK actor called Daniel Casey, um, who was on a on a TV series called Midsummer Murders. Um, 
and yeah we got we got chatting to him he was there with his wife and we got chatting to them and um I just saw a bit of an opportunity <laughs> and sort of begged him to give me some experience um I was studying at the time at Bristol University I was studying a degree in drama television and film um and yeah I was just desperate for some experience on set so he said that he would get me um a couple of weeks work experience with him and yeah and from that point on I absolutely I was just obsessed with doing it um so then sort of I carried on I did my degree um and as part of my degree you could sort of specialize in film um, or theatre or whichever route you wanted to go down um, and I specialised in film and then I ended up getting organising a placement with um, Ardman Animations who obviously do Wallace, Wallace and Gromit and uh, pretty famous for, uh, for animation um, and I worked on a programme called Creature Comforts with them um, as an assistant studio manager. So I did that sort of my dissertation on the role of a producer. Um, and yeah, I was really lucky that they gave me an opportunity, an amazing opportunity when I was with them to sort of carry on working with them. Um, so straight out of uni, I ended up working on another animation series with them. Um, called Chopsocky Chooks and um, that was kind of my start in the world really. Uh, I, I then went on to natural history, um, wildlife stuff that I was there for sort of I think sort of two three years I did that and traveled around the world um, which was pretty amazing um, and then yeah and then I, I actually ended up moving to London and the natural history world wasn't quite so prominent in London for me so I decided to kind of slightly defer off and got an opportunity um, to start working in, in TV drama, which sort of then led on to film and, and yeah, and that's, that. the rest is history, really. So there are a bunch of questions to ask from all that, but uh, one sure. is, you mentioned Chops, Saki, Chooks, which is an animated show from Cartoon Network, and yeah. you were listed as a production assistant, and I was wondering what a production assistant does on an animated program. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was quite a long time ago, Trent, so <laughs> I'll sort of try and remember um, back to what I did, but essentially I was um, I was kind of the main contact for the, for the entire team, so um, I would just really assist them with everything they needed, whether it came sort of down to admin, um, down to you know, just kind of keeping track of everyone's times. Um, because of that, obviously, with it being a Cartoon Network uh, co-production with, with Ardman, we had quite a, a, there was a real mix of obviously having to deal with a US network, um, which kind of meant a real technology um, shift that we had to do. I mean, back then it was quite obviously quite a long time ago. Um, and we had to really kind of do online conferences. And um, so I was kind of always organizing all of that. I was a real in-between between the team at Cartoon Network over in the US and then um, the Ardman kind of team and then our direct animators and our kind of production team. So it would be anything from like storing all of the files to kind of keeping track of all the artwork, um, producing kind of beautiful um, Bibles that we would have for the for the series, kind of keeping track of scripts, um, all stuff like that. So good fun. Very fun. 
Um, mm-hmm. So to to get to our main topic of the day, how did you end up getting involved with Locked Down? Yeah, so Locked Down was um, basically sort of came around from um, a really good uh, line producer, exec producer that I have worked with on a couple of movies now, um, called Richard Whelan. Um, and he is an incredible first AD, probably one of the best, I would say, in the UK. And he is also an exec producer. So, and I've worked with him on a couple of films, um, and he was an incredible support to me on some very difficult, big movies that we worked on together. Um, and he was putting together a team for this uh, new movie. Um, and obviously, I think, I think actually when he called me, we were in lockdown at the time, or we may have just been coming out the other side in the UK. Um, and he, um, yeah, he reached out to me. He wanted to put together a very small team because he was, it, the idea was that we wanted to make a COVID-friendly movie um, and something that we could do in in COVID times. Um, which meant having a really small crew. Um, bearing in mind, we usually work with enormous crew, crews on some of the bigger films that we've worked on. So we were looking at um, really just having HODs and a really, really tiny crew. So we were looking at sort of 35 people. So Richard really wanted to have people that he trusted and treat, people that he really believed in. Um, so, yeah, he reached out to me and just said, you know, I've got this Doug Lyman picture. Um, I would love you to come and work on it with me. Um, we start prep sort of in a week or so. And and he said, it's a three and a half week shoot. shoot. It's, a, it's a feature film. Um, and there's going to be sort of two big stars um, and, and varying kind of sort of smaller parts coming in, cameo parts. Um, and yeah, I just thought it sounded awesome. So... Um, I was I was sort of very quickly decided that it would yeah it would be great to work on and um, the whole thing happened incredibly quickly. <laughs> so you worked as the production manager. Can you tell us uh, like the basic outline of that job's description? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was it it, it was fairly different for me on this one because. Um, because of the speed of having to get this movie out and get it shot, um, normally you would have a huge amount of prep. You would have, you know, a huge amount of shoot time and you'd have a huge amount of wrap. Um, on this, we were, I mean, really looking at a couple of weeks prep, um, three and a half week shoot and a, a really small wrap to go into post. And again, the post was incredibly quick as well. But in terms of, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say on this, the role of a production manager was, was slightly different to how it would be on a normal movie. So when I came into the picture, um, Richard, who was the executive producer, had already done quite a lot of work. He'd already put into place um, a fairly firm schedule, which also had a corresponding budget to it. So when I kind of came on board, we then sat down with the addition, with the other producers and we really kind of just discussed um, how it was going to look in terms of how we were going to shoot it, um, looking at the schedule, uh, looking at the locations and all the logistics that were kind of involved in that. Um, we did a lot of Zooms um, just to kind of 
work out because Doug was in, um, I think he was in New York at the time, and Alison, our other producer, was also there. Um, so we sort of we did a lot of creative zooms to um, discuss the script, to discuss locations, um, and then um, PJ, who was our other producer, we sort of sat down with him and discussed costs and how we were going to make it work logistically. Um, so I guess in the role role of a production manager in in prep is um, budget very much kind of looking at the budget how you're going to make that work in terms of the locations um, your logistical costs um, and just yeah how you're going to kind of make that work for the film um, crew hire I mean obviously we had such a short amount of time to get it shot um, so really we just we really had to kind of move very quickly in terms of um bringing on people that we really trusted and knew um travel and transportation you you kind of again that all comes in keeping with um logistics and having an idea of where you're shooting what you're shooting um trying to work out the quickest way to get crew to and from locations um how you're going to feed crew um all of that stuff um so, yeah, so that's kind of prep. And then I, I guess during shoot, it becomes more of a, again, it's it's budgetary, very much keeping on track of costs in terms of your hiring crew, in terms of hiring any equipment. Um, all your costs are related around that, your costs of, of feeding everyone, transport, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then really it comes down to then just planning, planning and coordination. So you're keeping on top of um, the next day ahead and the, and, and the weeks ahead and really trying to plan logistically what you need to make those shoot days run really smoothly. Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess that's it. I mean, obviously on this one, there was a huge COVID element that came into it that we've obviously never had to deal with before. And that was a huge learning curve. Um, we brought on a great company um, because we we really wanted to do it properly and keep everyone super safe. So we brought on a company to help us with um, the logistics of the COVID testing and um, kind of coming coming up with risk assessments and rules and regulations that all the crew and the cast had to stick to. Um, and that obviously created quite a lot more work for us. Um, but as film crew, we're pretty good at adapting. So um, we adapt pretty quickly. So, yeah, I think, I, I guess in a nutshell, that's kind, of, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, you kind of touched on what my next question was going to be, which was like, uh, I think this was like, I follow Doug Lyman on Instagram. And like, I was like shocked when he started posting stuff on his story about like, he's starting to film a movie with Anne Hathaway and Chiwetel. Like, I was like, shocked um so i was wondering um if you could get into the specifics of like how covid really affected the shoot and like because i've i've been seeing some things where like you get tested every three days or you get test some some tv shows you're testing every day so like what was for this shoot what were your uh constraints that were put on to you by covid yeah, it was it was difficult. It was really difficult. And I mean, firstly, in terms of budget, we had to set aside a lot of money, um, a, a chunk of money that we knew that we had to spend 
to keep the cast and the crew safe. Um, and Doug, Doug and Alison, you know, when they kind of came up with the concept for the movie, um, I know that Doug was just super keen to um, show that we could make a a feature film, really, and 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 do it under COVID environment and and keep everybody safe and still make a great movie. Um, so we just we really had to we had to learn very quickly and we brought on professionals we brought on a health and safety company that were um were sort of learning and adapting themselves but they were um advising us on what we needed to do um we also had to you know we we were SAG um which is the Screen Actors Guild uh, because we had American actors involved um so to be approved by SAG they had some quite strenuous um uh requirements that we had to really stick to um so in prep that was something that we had to spend a lot of time making sure that we had the budget and the the facilities set up to be able to do all of the COVID testing, um, and that ex- that I mean, it, it really went across the board. Everybody had to be tested. Um, some people who were super close to the actors, um, anyone on screen, all had to be tested at least three times a week. Um, and yeah, it was it was a lot. But as I say, I think crews adapt super quickly. Um, we are all used to kind of problem solving and. Um, making stuff happen and we were all super grateful to be working Um, so in terms of the I guess the logistics of it we did a lot of prep a lot of planning Um, everybody obviously had to wear masks um, and there was definitely the obviously the respect of distance Um, we provided a lot of kit to keep everybody safe Um, one of the big changes was food you know food and and craft service we couldn't um have people hanging out a craft service van (laughs) like a lot of people normally do um we had to have individual people who ordered their food and then they had to have individual bags brought onto set uh that they would collect with their names on um and yeah it was it was definitely different and it it definitely had its challenges um but incredibly the crew and the cast were absolutely incredible and everybody was super super safe we had a covid um health and safety uh, advisor who was with us the entire time um he would provide risk assessments for us daily that that the crew had to read and understand we also had a medic on set who would take who would do all of the testing Um, And we had a PA who was doing cleaning and um, just kind of generally keeping everything safe on set. Um, So, yeah, it was it was it was pretty intense. Um, And obviously there was there was a lot of fear at that time. So we really just wanted to kind of keep everyone safe and. Yeah, and, it, and it, amazingly, it worked, you know, we were we were a tiny crew and everyone was was really incredible and really got on board with what we were trying to do. And uh, it was it was tricky, but it was great. You pulled it off. So uh, some yeah. actors uh, are only seen through Zoom and we were wondering if their uh, roles could be done, were done entirely remotely or if they still had to come to set. 
Um, yeah, so we had some incredible cast, um, and the 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 cast that featured only on Zoom um, worked completely remotely. Um, so yeah, they they didn't we didn't meet them at all, apart from over Zoom or whichever ever format they they appeared on, um, which was incredible. And at first, we we were unsure how it was going to work, but Doug had a very clear kind of creative idea of, of visually how it was going to work and then um, we employed a company um, who came in and sort of looked at the technical kind of side of it of how we would record it um, and we decided that um, to keep everything super COVID friendly and really uh, careful, we would only have a sound recordist, a remote sound recordist, go with a drop kit to um, to the remote actors' uh, residence to their to their homes. Um, so we would often have a really interesting kind of time zone situation like Ben Stiller obviously was in I think he was just outside I think he may have been in New York um so we sort of had to work out um Dan Channing Williams who's our amazing first AD did an incredible job with kind of scheduling <clears throat> these shoots where we were obviously working across time zones um and yeah we had these remote um sound guys who were all over the UK all over we had some in uh, Sweden we had uh, Vienna um, LA I think and New York so it was um, amazing but the actors were actually interacting simultaneously they weren't like cut and then edited together yeah no everybody zoom called in at the same time yeah awesome. it was really cool that's much cooler <laughs> Um, you you brought him up a little bit before, but um, how was uh, Doug Lyman to uh, to work with? Because um, he seems like a very interesting guy. We love Doug Lyman. Yeah, <laughs> we all love Doug Lyman. Yeah, he is amazing, and he is um, he's a visionary and and is just completely passionate about filmmaking. And when he's in the zone, he's in the zone, and he's just he's yeah he's absolutely incredible and and wild as you would probably expect um I think sort of my one of my my first proper experiences was when Doug was asking us um about flying his own plane over to the UK to um to film the movie and my gut feeling having worked on on big studio pictures is like there's absolutely no way we can do that <laughs> it's not it's not going to be safe um but we made it happen and he did it and it was uh it was a very cool way to start the movie um but no he was he was absolutely amazing and he's he's an awesome awesome director and incredible to see him working and and i mean i guess from a production manager's point of view he was he was so aware of the COVID um, situation and so aware that he wanted this movie to be safe, that even creatively he would always be conscious of the COVID kind of procedures and always be encouraging of, um, of everyone to be safe. And he was so supportive of his crew. Um, everyone became a bit of a family because we were uh, Anne and Chiwetel, you know, with us every day, and we were. I think for two weeks we were in a in a in a tiny house, all all of us kind of together. So, 
um, yeah, it became a bit of a family, so it was awesome. Anne Hathaway is one of my celebrity crushes, so I really, I, I, I envy you. Uh, was, was she awesome? She seems awesome. Oh, she's absolutely incredible. She is, she is just, I was actually really lucky to work with her on Alice Through the Looking Glass, and um, I was the same as you, Trent. I thought she was awesome. I've always loved her, and um, she was incredible on that. And to actually be able to work so closely with her on this was amazing and to see her so I mean this was brutal for those guys in terms of filming you know I think um on a normal feature film um obviously I mean uh, on a big big feature film you shoot so slowly and you shoot tiny sections at a time um and on this we were we were shooting between 10 to 14 pages a day of script, Whoa. which is, yeah, I mean, unheard Jesus. of. Even, even, yeah, in the TV world. Usually it's like three to four. Yeah, exactly. If that, you know, when I've worked on, on action action movies, it's been, sometimes we don't even shoot a page a day, you know? So for these guys to shoot a 10 page, you know, 10, 10 to 14 page heavy dialogue two-parter was kind of mind-blowing and you know sometimes we were dealing with British weather which is always fun um and dealing with with issues as as sometimes things will happen and we would maybe have to change up a scene and the guys would just switch and do these incredibly dialogue heavy scenes and I mean they blew me away really it was incredible but yeah she's awesome um so not necessarily for lockdown, but just as like a production person in general, how do you go about like guesstimating how long a shoot will take and scouting locations and budgeting just like broadly all of these responsibilities? Like, how do you go about thinking how much something costs and where to do it and how and why, mm. you know? Yeah, I guess it, it, it comes a lot with experience of um, pre previous shows. So, in terms of costing something, you really you you learn that on a, on the job. You know you can you can you can you can kind of guess stuff early on, and then as you're going through prep, you obviously go through and just kind of confirm those costs as you go. Um, guessing the time is an interesting one. I mean, I don't have enough experience, probably being a fairly new production manager at the early stages of really breaking down a script and really working out how long it's going to how how long it's going to take to shoot. Um, Richard Whelan, obviously, um, on this one, he was he was super quick to break this down because we were um, under time constraints, so we kind of knew we had to shoot it in three and a half weeks, we knew that's all we had. Uh, whereas on some of the bigger films, it would really be a, a first AD would come in and, and really kind of schedule and break everything down. Um, and then, yeah, and then they would work alongside a production manager and, and an exec producer or a line producer to um, relate that to kind of costing it out in terms of what you need and what the requirements are to get that shot. Um, yeah, I guess in terms of locations, it's, um, you, you, you bring locations on pretty quickly. Um, so you bring on a, a, a sort of key location manager 
they will work quite closely with the director and the production manager to really kind of pinpoint the key locations that you need. Um, then they will quite often work with a scout or um, they'll just know locations that they need um, and they will go off and find locations obviously um they'll come up with a, a number of varying locations that are suitable for the shoot um on this one for example uh harry our location manager went away and doug was still over in the us so um we did quite a few zoom creative calls where we kind of talked through the locations how they would work um creatively to shoot and also how they would work in terms of logistics um and we wanted to keep everything super close obviously bearing in mind um covid again we wanted the actors to not have to travel too far from where they were staying um and we don't want the locations to be spread all over london so we kept everything super local which makes it more difficult for the location manager but it it kind of made it easier for us with the logistics um yeah i think i think is that everything you're asking (laughs) i think that's a solid amount um (laughs) so you've mentioned a few jobs and on previous uh movies you've worked as a production coordinator which i'm gonna Mm -hmm. assume is below production manager um and we were wondering uh if you could like sort of explain the hierarchy like as a production manager who do you report to and like what's that whole deal yeah absolutely um so as a production manager you are i mean you're really like the center of everyone you're in, in, in right in the middle of everybody so you're the kind of person that all of the hods will come to to get sign off and approval on any costs on any um any decisions that kind of need to be approved so everything really should come across your desk um in terms of, yes, and then I guess the, the production manager, again, really ultimately the decisions lie with you um, and you, every anything cost related should come through you and any kind of big decisions should come through you. Um, so there's a real kind of funnel. Um, so you're, you're really across everything. You really have an understanding of everything that's going across. But you also have to really be quite proactive in your um in your relationships as well with your crew and your, especially your HODs and making sure that they have everything they need um, and that they're on track. Um, In terms of a coordinator, I mean, actually, I guess in terms of production manager who you're, you're essentially, your bosses will be your exec producer um, and your producers and your director. So you will work really super closely with them as a team. um, And then, and then you kind of work within your all of your crew. Um, and then, so the coordinator, in terms of structuring on a big movie, uh, so now you would have, so you would have your director, you would have your producers, you have a creative producer, um, or maybe a few creative producers, and then you often have... Um, more kind of exec producer roles who are much more about kind of budgets and financials. Um, Then you have your production manager. Um, You then often now have a production supervisor. Um, They'll often work far more across um, hiring crew and um, kind of keeping track of uh, equipment hiring, things like that, depending on the size of the movie. 
Um, then, yeah, then you uh, the coordinator, which I mean has has been my role for quite a long time, um, and it's it's again you're right in the middle of everyone. You're the sort of person that um, is responsible for uh, for for. I guess for communicating everything about the film to to everybody that's working on it, so you should kind of be known by everyone. Um, you're in the production team. You'll have assistant coordinators um, and PAs and secretaries, um, and they'll all kind of make up your your production team unit. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a pretty full on job. Um, obviously, prep is is kind of crazy. You're you're working to work out the logistics. You're crewing. You're contracting. You're dealing a lot a lot of admin. Um, working out what you need to shoot in terms of equipment, tire. Um, you're organizing any tests, any recce's that may um, that may need to be organized. Um, you're yeah, I mean, there's just there's a lot of paperwork, um, and then especially if you're working for a studio, there's often a lot of studio paperwork that you have to for each studio. It's completely different for what they require, um, and yeah, you 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 crew up pretty quickly. You you crew up your team pretty quickly, um, and then you start to crew up for the rest of the crew, um, and then once you get to shoot, sort of depending on on where you are really um often with a studio picture you'll be based at a studio and you will have some stage shooting and location shooting um depending on the movie and when you're shooting you'll be based in the production office and sort of on and off set just checking in um and then when you're on location you'll be based on a production trailer um often with the ad's or or in your own production trailer and yeah, and it's, I mean, it's super exciting. It's a really, really fun job and um, it's full on. I mean, it's full on, it's a full on job. You work incredibly long hours. Um, I think you have to be a special kind of weird to really, to really love it. But if you love film, then, then it's amazing. So speaking of that, um, I believe you were just in Malta for the new Jurassic World movie, and that ties into, um, do you, well, like you just mentioned, you have to go to whatever exotic places that the shoot may take you? Yeah, I think that's, um, I guess that's kind of why a lot of people would love to work in film because they see it as being such a glamorous industry. And and there is, there is that side of it. There's definitely... Um, travel involved i mean i think in the uk we have such a, a incredible film industry over here um that a lot is shot in the in um in the stages and uh in the studios and then we we have some obviously incredible locations that we film in um but i i guess so jurassic was was quite interesting for me because normally I mean my past I worked as a main unit coordinator for quite a long time across quite a few Disney films and uh, some massive massive movies and then um, and then I, I started to go down a second unit coordinator route um, which is more of the kind of action shooting um, and 
that is smaller units um, and and tends to be a little bit more on location. Um, so Jurassic Jurassic was new for me because um, I wasn't actually working on the main unit or the second unit of the production. I was actually working as a coordinator for the Malta unit. So um, we went out there to set up with a really small UK uh, team to kind of set up the locations. Um, we worked with um, an amazing local Maltese um, crew. There's a, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, there's a big Malta um, uh, film kind of presence over there. So, um, so yeah, so they have some amazing crew. So we worked with the local guys over there to just set up the locations, um, set up uh, crew hotels, um, work out the logistics of everything that would be required for two huge Jurassic units to come in and shoot. Um, but obviously, while we were out there, sadly, that was when COVID started to um, get uh, pretty bad. So we actually didn't end up finishing it, sadly. Um, it got put on hold. But um, um, I know the guys that actually did end up finishing off and they said it went incredibly well. So, but yeah, I guess in terms of travel, um, there's, there is definitely uh, travel re related to, um, and you do, you do have to be prepared to kind of move around and shift around, but you, you, you do know that before the job. So you can kind of pick and choose a little bit if you're lucky. Another movie he worked on that I'm personally very excited for is uh, The King's Man, which mm -hmm. is a fun title um, yeah just what what's that like yeah i mean uh i think that was it was probably one of one of my favorite recent films to work on um it was it was a huge challenge for us because um it was uh, it was actually the film i think it was the second 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 unit uh film that i'd coordinated and um we were we were i i, I i'll i'll explain it. i'm sure you guys know this but um obviously the main unit shoot everything to do with the actors and they'll kind of they're a huge unit and then you have your second unit that is very much action-based and they'll shoot a lot of the stunts um so um often the second unit is a lot shorter it would be a lot smaller smaller crew um and yeah it won't it won't be for anywhere near as much time as the main unit shoot um but on this we actually shot for 10 weeks um and we shot alongside the main unit and i mean it was it was pretty bonkers what we were shooting uh the kingsman movies are hugely action-based and um we yeah we just we had some incredible incredible uh stuff that we were shooting and i i mean i don't know if you guys have seen the trailer but there's a an opening shot of a big kind of battle sequence which we actually we actually finished our shoot on and i think it's probably one of the biggest um outdoor sets i've i've sort of ever seen in terms of what we had to put together for it it was it was enormous we had multiple camera units we had multiple crew units we had uh i think we had something like seven cranes um for varying things and i've it was absolutely enormous but it was incredibly exciting and um yeah it's going to be a really really awesome movie 
So shifting gears a little bit, do people in your department, do they typically work freelance or do they just sign up for a company and then get taken from movie to movie? Yeah, I'm definitely freelance um, over here. It's it's if for TV, um, for for film, it's it's definitely freelance, and which which makes it a bit more tricky. It definitely makes it harder, especially when you're starting out. Um, but it's yeah, it, it I think sort of once you're once you've got a foot in the door, and once you're working in that world and you're in some of the bigger films or, or even some of the smaller films you're you're sort of in in that network and you're talking to people and you hear stuff that's coming up and you kind of get to know people you often get taken across um I was very lucky to work with an amazing team um kind of early on in my career across sort of four or five movies um and then yeah and then uh, Kingsman um, and Jurassic was with a with a great production manager Matt Jones who um, who took me across from film to film so yeah if you're lucky you sort of you a lot of this business is is really about communicating and building connections with people and if you can do that then then you're pretty set because people will always look after you if you're you know if you kind of look after other people so yeah. Um, so you've worked in TV as well as movies, obviously. Uh, yeah. And uh, what's what's the sort of main difference in how you work, I guess? And like, because uh, the main thing we've basically heard is that it's just a lot faster because of the rapid pace of TV. But yeah, if you could speak on that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I exactly that path. It's it's um. It's just very quick. It's much quicker than film. Um, it's it's smaller smaller scale. Um, obviously lower budget budgets, which mean it's which which means you have sort of less time less time less resources. Um, so, I mean, I think there can sometimes be a snobbery between people thinking that film is you know, is kind of greater than TV, and I absolutely don't agree. I think that. Um, if you can if you can cut your teeth on tv and and um and yeah do well in tv then it's an incredible it doesn't even need to be a platform people do jump between the two and I, I mean I absolutely have successfully um and and really enjoy the challenge of both um I think in tv it can feel a little more exciting because you're a bit smaller you're sort of a bit more important in in a in a kind of smaller team. Um, I I mean I had some incredible jobs where I worked on um, Luther. I don't know if you guys have, have yeah. yeah have seen Luther with Idris. Um, Luther kind of was in it, uh, unbelievable to work on. And then the production team that I worked with on Luther um, took me on to Death in Paradise, which is uh, a UK series based out in Guadeloupe in the Caribbean. Um, so we went out for eight months to the Caribbean and set up um, the shoot nice there. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, like it was that in itself was just the most incredible experience because we had to completely set up a, a, a shoot somewhere where, where 
nothing had been shot before. So we were shooting on an island, which just created its own issues. And it was absolutely amazing. And we shot for, you know, because we were shooting a big series, it was, we were out there for like eight months. Um, and we shot that in blocks. So there's a whole scheduling difference. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very different. And I mean, I guess the most obvious is, is the pace of filming um you know you're you're the kind of pace that we were filming locked down um was far more like tv so us uh, us feature film people weren't <laughs> we were a little bit shocked um when it came to locked down and the and the speed that we ended up having to shoot in so um i think if you can have some experience in tv uh it's 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 absolutely a positive thing it's great so you worked on both Fast Six and Hobson Shaw, and we were wondering what is the process of like getting returning work on subsequent installments, or if it was just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a good question. It's actually it is coincidence. Um, it's uh, the yeah, yeah, absolutely. So actually, Fast Six was um, one of my first kind of big feature films that I worked on and uh, um, a lovely production coordinator Winnie Wishart I just uh, really I was I was I was in the industry and I was I was green and, and new and desperate to work on a big feature and I just emailed her my CV and um, said I was super keen and she was crewing up for fast and she said, look, I, I'm, I'm looking for a, a departmental coordinator for the action uh, film, for the action cars on this. Um, would you be interested? And she, the reason she actually wrote back to me was because she really liked my CV and what I'd written in my um, in my email to her. And she really related to my my previous experience. Um, so so she gave, she really gave me an opportunity. And so. Yeah, I worked on Fast Six and it was crazy working with all the cars. And um, again, I mean, very transferable. It was it was all kind of admin and keeping on track and making sure we could have the right cars wherever they were needed and um, transporting them, getting them around, permits, all that kind of stuff. So it was a really great learning experience. And then um, Hobson Shaw um, was was incredible for me because um, I actually got onto that. I, the main production, the main unit production team were um, a team that I'd worked with before. And uh, the supervisor that came on for the second unit, um, I'd also worked with her before. So, so I was in a really nice position that I knew the film was crewing up and um, ended up getting a phone call and, and being asked to uh, coordinate the second unit for Hobson Shaw. And, uh, yeah, it was, I think, probably one of my favourite movies um, to work on. Um, we were we were filming with Simon Crane, um, who I'm sure you guys know of him. He's, a, I, th I think, the best second unit director out there. He's absolutely incredible. Um, and, yeah, that was my first movie working with Richard Whelan, who is the exec producer who I mentioned on Lockdown. Um, and we just had... I mean, an incredible time. The stuff that we were shooting was was jaw dropping. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, I'm curious about your involvement in Ex Machina, if you don't mind, real, real, real quick, fast. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, I'm trying to think how I got into Ex Machina. I think um, 
I think it may have been word of mouth. I think I knew that they were crewing up um, and I, I'd heard who the production team were going to be. Um, I was a really big fan of Alex Garland and I just, um, yeah, and I, I, I was just super keen to work on the movie and, and was really lucky to land the position. And I guess I sort of similar to lockdown in a way, it was a very different movie to work on. It was, it was very small. Um, we were a small crew. Um, it was studio based, you know, they kind of built the entire kind of set on like one stage. Um, we did have obviously some location work for it, but, um, the majority of the filming was kind of on that one stage. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. And yeah, the cast were incredible. Uh, Alex was incredible. The whole team, it was, it was really cool. It was one of those kind of really proud, proud movies to be a part of. Um, so one of our last few questions we want to ask is, um, if you have any advice for people that are like getting started in the industry and like how to stand out from other people and like, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think I think it's really important. And I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. And I think like you guys are showing with this amazing podcast, it's if you can really show a passion for film, you'll really stand out to, to anyone in the industry. Um, that's kind of first and foremost. I remember one of my my first interviews that I had as a producer's assistant on WE, which was um, directed by Madonna. We, uh, the producer asked me, uh, I'm trying to think what the three questions were. I think it was, what is the size of film that we shoot on? Um, what was the latest movie that you've seen? Uh, and there was a third one. I forget, but they were all around, you know, making sure that I, I was a, really into film. I wasn't there just to, you know, for a ride. Um, so I think... Yeah, really showing that that is is super keen and that will make you stand out. It's it's a, it's a difficult industry to get into and it's difficult to get that kind of first break for sure. Um, but I mean, I really I hounded people. I emailed people. I sent my CV out to thousands of people from directories and, you know, never got any replies. I'd get the odd reply here and there. But then one lead would work out and and, and talk to your friends, talk to your family friends, like anyone that has any connections. That's often a really, really good way. Um, and um, I guess LinkedIn is quite a new thing for me. I, it's not a massive thing that's used in, in the industry, but I do get a lot of people approaching me through LinkedIn. And um, I mean, I'm really happy to say as well, anybody is is welcome and, and very welcome to approach me on LinkedIn for any advice. Um, I'm always really happy to help. Um, and yeah, I think just really knowing your staff. And then once you're in is, is then almost as important as, because you are freelance, you're really as good as your last job. And you ideally do want to get taken on with with the people you're working with. Um, so ideally, you really need to show willing, you need to be hardworking, you need to be committed. Um, you need to be able to build rapport with your crew. Um, show that you're really keen, show that you're you know, your, your your attention to detail is there. Um, all of those things will really make you stand out from the crowd. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's that's really it. Just be super hardworking, super keen, um, and just if you've got a passion for it, you'll find a way. Trent, you want to ask our our big last question, or our our big last question is: What's the last great movie you've watched? Oh yeah, good question. Um, I think actually, I rewatched recently the Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, um, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of Shire. And I just love it. I just love it. I just think it's one of those films that it's, you know, relatively small budget um, in terms of movies. And I just think it has heart and is is absolutely beautiful. Um, I also actually at Christmas also watched Last Christmas, which is a, which is a British um, new Christmas movie. I don't know if you guys saw it, but a lot of my friends worked on it. And um, again, I think just quite poignant and and a lovely message. And um, yeah, just re- just really beautiful. Well, well oh, oh, oh no, Trent, oh. please, please. Well. Uh, Ella Dane Smith, thank you so much for coming on. You've been a wonderful <laughs> guest. Thank you for giving us your time. Amazing. Um, thank you so much. She worked on Doug Lyman's Lockdown and a bunch of other great movies. Check thank it out you. on HBO Max. Check it out on HBO Max. Th- thank you. Have a good day. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, that was a great interview. Trent, what would you say? Um, I'd say a great interview. Yeah, exactly. Well put. Th- thank you. Um, I'm not used to praise, Trent. Um, I know. Especially by you. It's mostly um, just like direct criticism. It's like vitriol, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, thanks so much to Ella Dane Smith for talking with us about her work on lockdown um she's just a great person um we're super happy to have had her on the show parth um are we gonna have more guests (sighs) well trent um is this the the end of the line i'm glad you asked that after every single time we record one of these um it's it (laughs) It, never gets old it's always Um, good to be ready for the end you know uh yeah yeah pre- preparatory s- stuff and whatnot but um because if like one of us like if like you were to, like mysteriously disappear right like, right 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 like i couldn't carry on without you exactly or is that just exactly what the show needs Something oh not, not me no I'm yeah saying why don't you, you schedule the interviews if you happened to go missing then i wouldn't want to leave the fans hanging and maybe it would be good to change things up. All right, n- never you, mind. Who would you have in my place? Um, we'll get to that later. I, I don't want. That, that, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. Once you're, it's gonna be Alex Lane, isn't it? Once you're third, well, his DVD collection is the best I know of. Um, but once you're like, once you're thoroughly gone. Uh, all right, Parth, what have you watched most recently? I uh, I just I I just rewatched The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, what'd you think? I love it. Was it because you made a Bane back cracking joke on yesterday's podcast? 
Oh, uh, well, the the joke was because I watched it. Oh. Do you want to hear my Bane impression? Is it good, or is it intentional? I think it's bad? excellent. I think it's excellent. Go. Yeah, sure. Ah, oh, yeah! <laughs> I was wondering what would break first. Your spirit or your body? What'd you think? It's Did you pre- like it? Yeah, no, it's it's good. Um, okay, I'm glad I'm glad you thought so. I can you do? Sure. Can you do a Joker impression? Uh, what do you want me to say? I'm the Joker baby. Uh, do you want like like Heath Ledger Joker or like from the video? You want me to? Uh, I feel like a Heath Ledger Joker would be kind of asking for too much. So just stick to what we know. Do the actually. Okay, this is my classic. I- I'm curious to hear. I can your... do both. I can do both. Please, yeah, yeah, you have the floor. Okay, so I'll do I'll do Heath Ledger first, and then, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm uh, the Joker, baby. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, let's hear. Uh, let's hear. I want to know how I got these scars. Yeah, um, and then uh, from the video, it's uh, I'm the Joker, baby. I'm the Joker, baby. Oh my God, Trent! Did you I like thought that? it was you. I thought I thought that was the video. Oh, that was me. Oh my god. That's wow. crazy. Alright, well, uh, the most I watched... Well, I, I want to hear, uh, do you like Dark Knight Rises or Batman Begins more? Um, I think Batman Begins is a tighter movie, but I enjoy the Dark Knight Rises more. Yeah, I, like, vaguely remember Batman Begins, and I don't like it at all. But I like Dark Knight Rises a lot. Um, but I'll turn you, Trent. I'll my, turn you. my sister watched The Dark Knight for the first time the other day, and I was like, Did she like it? Yeah, but I was like, I can't believe you've been on Earth this long. And yeah. wait, can you do a Christian Bale Batman impression? What do you want me to say? I'm I'm Batman, preferably. I'm Batman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's very deep. It's very raspy. You got all the elements. I I'll try. I've never tried it. But, I mean, it could be embarrassing and inaccurate, but do you want me to try? Probably both, yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> I'm nervous. I'm, I'm uh, sorry, don't laugh. Come on, goddammit. I'm, I'm gonna, like, muffle. <laughs> no. No, you're not! <laughs> your, your Heath Ledger Joker was good, though. Alright, so I watched Terminator 2. Or I'm in the process uh, of watching Terminator 2. Um, classic. I was thinking back, and I haven't watched it in, like, at least five years. But oh, my God. It was, like, one of the first rated R movies I saw. You know the first rated R movie I ever saw? What? The Matrix. Is the, is it rated R for violence? It's just violence, but it, there's not, like, much blood or anything. I don't know why it is rated R, to be honest. Is there cursing? cursing. There's no F-words. Really? Yeah, so I, I'm not really sure why it's rated R. But, Isn't there uh, nudity in the later Matrix movies? There, There's nudity in the second one, but also not really. Who Who is naked? And how is it not really? Like, the, I think you see Keanu Reeves' bum. Oh, well, do you think there was a butt double, or do you think that was his real life butt? No, I think, I think Keanu Reeves is a method actor. I don't think he would let somebody else's Part If, say, I was making a film... And I needed a man to be naked. Would you be comfortable letting your butt appear? Or would you need a butt double if you were in my theoretical, in this position? 
Yeah, Trent, I think this was a great interview, and I'm really excited for next week's episode. I think it's going to be really good. We're not able to announce what it is at this time, but you'll just have to stay tuned and be surprised. Well, thanks thanks again to Ella Dane Smith. Um, we hope to have her on again at some point in the future, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us next week for Redacted to be announced. We don't know. What's coming next? We have an idea, but we don't want to confirm it. Because it's like, we don't want to, like, say what it's going to be. And then that not happen, and then, like, disappoint you guys, so. Let the podcast end! (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. This is the Joker speaking. (laughs) Goodbye. The podcast is uh, ending now.